This is the Holding Out to Learning LLC production. Hit it! The ideas expressed on this show are not the views of their employer. Besides, if you really want to take advice from this guy, well, you should probably do it at your own risk. You better turn right back around because here comes the short Bob dude from the Parents Recharge Show. What is going on, education heroes and fellow parents? That's right. This episode is a dual cast, ladies and gentlemen, which means we're bringing in the audience of the Exhausted Educator Show, where we help you try to recharge your educational battery, and the audience of the Parents Recharge Show, where we're trying to provide content for parents so they can better support their kids. This episode should resonate well for all of you. Because we're bringing on an amazing guest who's going to talk about getting parents and community members into the school so we can help kids in a variety of ways. She's also going to talk about her work as a nonprofit coordinator and how she brings in volunteers to work in early childhood centers to read aloud to kids individually. This episode in particular is super special for me because it's the first one that someone is recording with me in my own house. That means... My wife is joining me on this show, and she's pretty amazing. Now, granted, I am a little bit biased, obviously, but she's got a lot of great things to share. Her and I are both really passionate about getting community and parents involved in our schools so we can help support our kids because the lift that needs to happen between trying to help kids behaviorally, instructionally, socially, emotionally, and even in some cases with mental health It's just tough for schools to do it all on their own. So the more people we can get into our school systems to just blanket kids with good positive role models, the better off they're going to be. And she dives into a variety of topics that goes into this umbrella that I think you're really going to enjoy hearing about. Ladies and gentlemen, here is Nicole Hill. Ladies and gentlemen, it is a special, special episode because for the first time ever, you've heard me talk about her before, especially if you're part of a, you listen to our Parents Recharge show, but for the first time ever, the captain of our ship, the coordinator of our chaos, and she is a coordinator for other things as well that we'll get into, but I'm really excited to introduce you to my wife, Nicole Hill. Thank you for jumping on with us tonight, Nicole. Thank you for the invite. I appreciate it. (laughs) So it's been an interesting couple months, especially the interesting few weeks, at least, I should say. And we'll dive into more about that in a second. But part of the reason why you're on here is to talk about what you're doing currently. But before that, you had many years just taking your own journey up to what you're doing now, working for a nonprofit. You want to just give everybody your journey, your career journey. You can even go back further if you wanted to. You could share about the days you know, riding horses as a, as a young girl on the, whatever, but you just, no, how'd you get, I won't go back quite that far. No. <laughs> you just want to get everybody up to, you know, what you've done up to this point to get to where you're at. Sure. Uh, so we uh, came to Dover, um, thanks to the United States Air Force. Um, my dad was transferred here. We actually were coming from Oklahoma. Um, and this is where I started school. I was right here in the, the Dover Camden area. Um, So I am a graduate of Cesar Rodney High School. Um, And from there, I went on to um, a small school in Doylestown, Pennsylvania. It's called uh, Delaware Valley 
uh, university now, it was Delaware Valley College when I was there, uh, where I received a degree in agronomy and environmental science. Um, I went on to uh, Wesley College right here in Dover and got a master's in environmental science. And uh, my career led me to lots of different places. I worked as a store manager for a company called Southern States. And then I started working as an environmental scientist with the state of Delaware Department of Natural Resources. Um, and I continued to work there on and off for the next 15 or so years. Um, I say on and off because we had three children um, in that period of time. So I did stop working for um, a short period of time after our twins were born. And then, uh, like so many others, after the 2020 pandemic, I really started to uh, wonder if this was really where I wanted to be for the rest of my career and took a huge leap of faith and quit my job <laughs> with the state of Delaware and became the Kent County coordinator for a nonprofit called Read Aloud Delaware. Um, and that's where I am now and loving every minute of it. It certainly was a leap of faith. You yes. went. <laughs> We, we we really hemmed and hawed about it because you went from a supervisor's role to uh, a position where you're very passionate about what you do, but obviously uh, wasn't going to be as easy on our on our uh, bank accounts, but it was a good decision all around. I think you would say that too. I know you would yeah. say that. So Absolutely. I want to I give you just a couple minutes to share the amazing things that you do as your coordinator of Read Aloud. Explain what the program is and... Honestly, that kind of leads us into where we're going to talk and what we're going to talk about with families and community, you know, getting involved with the school. So you just want to just kind of lay out for everybody what, what your program is that you, you work on. Sure. So Read Aloud Delaware is a very unique nonprofit. We have volunteers that go out to preschools, daycares, elementary schools, and they read one-on-one -on -one to preschool age children. We are the only nonprofit that does uh, that type of outreach. We are very focused on the preschool um, age because that is one of, one of the most important ages where their little brains are just soaking up everything. Um, and we know the power of reading aloud and sharing stories um, helps them to be more, su more successful in school. So really important work that we're doing. Um, we have volunteers that are, range in age from high schoolers, um, teenagers, to people who have full-time day jobs and their, their jobs allow them to do some volunteer work during the day, um, all the way up to retirees who are just looking for a way to stay involved or maybe they are retired teachers and they miss being in the classroom a little bit. So we give them that opportunity to connect with some of our littlest learners. It's an amazing program. It's a great way for our community to bond and get together. We're, we're taking, you know, people who just want to give a little extra to their community and they're, they're giving to our littlest readers and helping them get a great start in school. Yeah, it's an awesome program. It's an awesome program. And uh, obviously, our family's fully invested. Your mom is one of our volunteer, one of your volunteers at one of our schools yeah. in, in our local school district. And uh, there's just opportunities to get out and make a positive impact on, on young kids. It's good stuff. Sorry to break in the action, everybody, but I wanted to let you know that this episode is brought to you by the Recharge Family Designs, specifically our sticker designs that have been designed by all of our family members in hopes that we can get more positive messaging out in the world to help recharge and empower teachers, parents, and kids. Check them out at rechargefamily.com or just hook up with the link down in the show notes. Now let's get back to the action. That's kind of one where, where I want to go next as far as like 
getting into the schools, and that's why I brought you on. But just for our listeners outside of our local area, which is the vast majority of our listeners, because the people locally hear me enough, they don't want to hear me much anymore. But just in case there's some that jumped on to listen to Nicole, you know, it's it's an interesting process going into trying to become a school board member, which you and I have learned in the last few weeks. There's a lot more involved with that than we when we even figured out. But Nicole is going to run for, she's a candidate for the school board. And we're putting our best foot forward and, and she's putting out all kinds of content about you know her platform on what she thinks would be positive for our local school district. So one of the things you talk about and we both believe strongly about is the idea of getting families and communities into our schools to help. Do you just want to talk a little bit about that, the, the idea of how powerful that can be and, and why that's important? Sure. I mean, I, I see it every day uh, through my work with Read Aloud Delaware, the importance of bringing community members into schools. Um, it gives kids other interactions outside of their family and their teachers. It also gives them a different perspective. I mean, we have uh, people from all walks of life that are our volunteers at Read Aloud Delaware. So it, it's just a nice way for the community to really get together and, and do something great. Personally, you know, we've experienced this you know, we have always been very involved in our children's education. That's just a decision that we made right from the start. We've always had a you know really good working relationship, communication with our kids' teachers. Uh, I have helped in many classrooms whenever you know the time allowed. If you know when I wasn't working full time, I was definitely in the classrooms a lot more. Um, and then you know we've always just volunteered to help wherever they needed help. But it became really, really important for us to have that that community and that communication with those teachers after our son was diagnosed with type 1 diabetes. I'm so glad that we had that foundation set. It was not an easy transition mm. by any stretch. Um, but because we already were involved um, and had that, commu- that communication set up with teachers, it made that transition a little bit smoother, um, but we had to talk to everybody after he was diagnosed. Um, we had to talk to the cafeteria workers. You know, we had to have really good communication with the nurse, with his classroom teachers, the front office, um, basically anybody that could come in contact with him if he was having some type of medical emergency from his type one diabetes needed to know who he was, who we were and how to get to us. Um, so I'm, I'm really glad looking back in hindsight that we took the effort to um, have that great communication foundation set up. Who, who knew that we would need that, um, you know, just a few years into him starting school. So that's why I just outside of medical issues, still really in my mind, it's still really important for families to have a good foundation of communication with their, at least the teacher that their child has. Even better if if you've established something, you know, with the rest of the uh, people that your kid comes in contact every day. But yeah, we, we definitely learned how important it is to know who's caring for your kid all day when you're not there. Really important. Absolutely. We've been very fortunate for the school's that our, our kids have gone to have been very uh, compassionate and caring, and they just take care of not just our kids, but everybody's kids. And way back yeah. when our son was diagnosed, that was, uh, for, for any listeners who are, are 
are not part of the the Parents Recharge podcast crew that listens to that podcast, uh, you know, we, I've shared with with them before, like the trials and tribulations. It, it it's not an easy transition for any family to go through, but we were very fortunate to have amazing people look after our son as we were going through that. And then as our other kids uh, came along, our twins came along and they have their own unique needs. We have other people in our school systems who've been very, we've just been very fortunate to have so many caring people help them. You know, one of the other things that you and I are both really passionate about is the idea of mentoring. And looking back, way back, you and I were just talking the other day about how when our son was diagnosed, you were actually mentoring a kid, a, a fifth grader at the time, in one of the schools, right? And, and part of school. that, yes, part of that, yeah. part of that uh, process. Do you want to talk about, like, as you know, being a parent, mentoring, and what that meant to you, mentoring a student? Yeah, sure. That was a really unique experience. I decided that I had a little extra time and wanted to give back in another way. And the school that our son attended uh, had a mentor program, so I said, sure, I'll mentor. Um, And I was paired up with a young girl. She was in the fifth grade um, and she had a lot going on. Yeah, she that was a really heavy lift. And Mm -hmm. I remember asking the um, the the paraprofessional that was in charge of the mentor program. Are you sure I'm the right person for (laughs) this? Because I'm not sure about this. And she's like, yep, you're perfect. And I was like, I don't know. I don't know if I can do this. She's like, nope, you're the one. You guys are meant for each other. And um, yeah she was right. There were some days that were hard where she broke down and cried because of what was going on. And I thought, oh my gosh, what am I going to do? But I didn't realize until the end of the year, like you mentioned, I was actually supposed to meet with her to mentor the day that our son was diagnosed with diabetes. And I had to choke back tears while I gave her her Christmas present um, and let her know that I I couldn't do our regular session that day because I had to take my son to the doctor. But at the end of that year, I think I'm not sure who got more out of that mentor program, if it was her or if it was me, maybe it was a tie. I'm not sure, but um, <laughs> it was a, it, it was just a really overall you know, good time meeting with her. Uh, I think we both grew in, in different ways. So, and I have a special Christmas ornament. We each made one um, and ours hangs on our tree every Christmas. Um, and it's just a nice uh nice time to reflect and, and think back about her and the young woman that she is now. It's pretty neat. And for anybody who's not been involved with any kind of mentoring program, uh, is, you know, if you're, if you're a family member or you're in the community, it's not just for the kids. You get something from it too. You really do. I was, we just uh, rolled out in January a mentoring program at one of our schools. And I've heard multiple adults have shared with me like, it's the best part of their week. Just going in, hanging out with a kid, maybe playing some board games, having some discussions. And in the end, you get a child or a teenager who just needs more good quality people in their lives. And it's highly effective and it's highly potent. And you may not feel like you are conquering the world with this kid, but you are one more piece of that village that they need in their lives. And I just think it's, it's powerful stuff. You and I are very passionate about it, obviously, for many, many reasons. So mm-hmm. our son was diagnosed, and then that led to some new things in our lives, meaning like all of a sudden we had an eight-year-old and he needed a 504 plan. And mm-hmm. for any listeners who are regular listeners, you, you're well aware that I've worked in um, you know, developing plans for kids and special education for a long time. However, 
my amazing wife that is, was not in her wheelhouse stepping into those formalized meetings. And if, you're a member, if, if you've ever heard me on any podcast that I go on, I talk about this often as one of the key things that I think we need to do in school systems is improve our communication with families as they're coming into those formalized meetings. Do you, do you remember the, those days, those early days? you want to share your thoughts on that? <laughs> yeah. Uh, that first one was a doozy. Um, <laughs> I don't think anything could have prepared me for that. Um, it's hard enough to go what, go through what we were going through. Um, you know, a type one, a diagnosis of type one diabetes is just life altering um, for everybody, for the whole family. Um, and now we have to switch gears and think like we have to think of every possible thing that could go wrong and we need to make, write a plan for him. And he was a little behind academically because we didn't know how sick he was for a while. Um, so he needed some extra supports to get back on track. Yeah, but that first meeting, I don't even think anything you could have said to me would have prepared me for. Um, it's a gut punch. Mm -hmm. it, it really is. Um, you're sitting with people that you, in our case, we knew. Um, so I, I think for a lot of other families, they don't, they don't even know all these people that are around the table. But yeah, and there's phrases being thrown out and acronyms that you don't know <laughs> what they mean. Um, and in the back of your mind, the whole time, you're just thinking like, oh my gosh, this is where I'm, this is where we are. And, and these people are talking about my kid because something's wrong. Um, and, and that's, I think that's the hardest part. And still, it, like you said, he was eight when he was diagnosed. He's 15 now. It's still hard to go into those meetings. And now he joins us because he's part of his action plan, but it's still hard. It's still hard to sit there and um, have somebody tell you something's wrong with your, with your child um, and, and all the extra things we need to do at school to help them. So yeah, that, that one was really tough. <laughs> you probably remember, I think we left and I cried yep. a lot yep. <laughs> because I was confused. Um, I was scared. Um, and I didn't know what to expect going forward, but it has gotten a lot better. And we have, I have learned a lot uh, from those meetings to speak up and to advocate not only for our son, but for us as well. You know, if I don't understand something now, I ask. Uh, I, I know now I can ask those questions um, like, hey, you're going too fast, or why do we even need that? Explain this to me. And what does that acronym stand for that you keep saying over hmm. and over? Yeah, any, you know, if, if I were to give one piece of advice to a family that's going through the 504 or the IEP process, um, it would be, I know it's hard, it's, it's, you know, really hard not to sit there and want to cry some days, uh, but definitely speak up uh, and say, I don't understand, you know, I need you to explain this to me. So I, I think that also sets a good tone for your kid if they're in the room, because we are always telling our kids to advocate for themselves. Um, so I, I really had to be the grown-up in the room and advocate for myself, too, so I, that I understood what was going on. And it's a good message for any of our educators out there to remind yourself going into those meetings that this is, this is hard stuff for, family, for families to come into. This is hard stuff to be able to sit at a table. One, I had a guy tell me once, and I've shared with this a lot of people, there's it, like 10 people in an IEP meeting and he said to me, this is like a congressional hearing. <laughs> he was right. He was right. You know, luckily, like us, we, we knew people and you knew some of the people around the table, but it was still difficult, right? And I remember having that conversation with you afterwards. And you, I said, well, 
it was kind of tough. What do you think? And you're like, that was really hard. It was really hard. And, and then in education land, we get caught up in throwing all these educational terms around. You know, I'm going to take the LRE and we're going to do the IEP and send it to the 504. And, we're going to, and, and in the meantime, people who don't have that experience, <laughs> their head is spinning, you know, mm-hmm. and, and it's really challenging for families. It's really challenging for parents. So as educators, please keep that in mind. The other thing I'm going to throw out before we move on, if you're involved with IEPs or 504 plans, please take some time to share the positive things about every single child. They've all got them. I can't tell you how, how uh, important that is because if all you're doing is sitting around a table and talking about the things that need to improve in a kid, that's you're sending a message like they don't have any strengths and that is not that's not the message you want to send so and as a parent if that isn't being said then ask you yes. know where has my child advanced and since our last meeting or what is some what is one positive thing you can share about my child it, even if it's they get to class on time great <laughs> you know yep. that that's fantastic yep. Um, but share something positive. Um, it, it does go a long way. And it does do a lot, I think, to calm the nervousness um, of that meeting. So. Yeah, agreed, agreed. Well, there's a lot, to, a lot to learn there from both sides of the table. So uh, the, the thing about, from the family side is that your child, if you have young children, you're their advocate. As they get older, we're trying to teach them to advocate for themselves. But that's the whole process. So depending on when your child is diagnosed or when uh, your child is, uh, comes into the, the option of maybe they've gone through a tiered system and now all of a sudden you're looking at maybe their special education services or maybe we're jumping into a 504 or whatever it is, you know, just, just remember you're entitled to ask questions. You should. You should. And it's hard when there's a lot of people you don't know sitting around a table and staring at you or saying things that you probably don't understand. But just keep in mind, you are entitled to advocate for your kids. It's a very important part of the process. When we talk about IEPs or 504 teams, you are an important part of that team. And as your mm-hmm. child gets older, they are an important part of that team, probably the most important part of that team as well. So that's really good information from both sides of the table. Now, you're getting ready to, you know, well, you're not getting ready. We're working on a campaign for the school board, uh, you know, in yeah. later on, in you know, beginning of May, there's going to be a vote for the school board. Do you have anything before we jump off that you just want to share anybody maybe locally about, you know, what you're all about uh, as far as, you know, a candidate for our local school district? Sure. Um, one of the main reasons I decided to run for school board was because I do believe in the power of community within our schools um, and family involvement within our schools. You know, a lot of things happen in that school building that need to be shown to the community and the families and vice versa. You know, I think the community and the families can share a lot with what's happening inside um, those buildings too. It's just, we just need the whole, the whole package. And uh, I think the pandemic kind of made that kind of break down a little bit. And I think schools are really trying to get back there. So I, I just feel like, you know, I offer a voice that just really wants to propel that forward um, even better than it used to be before um, before the pandemic. It, it's just, it's a definite um, passion of mine. I, you know, after I've been immersed in the nonprofit realm for the last uh, two years um, and just seeing the power of uh, community on our earliest learners. I, I'm just, you know, excited to hopefully take this next step and um, bring that into our local school district as well. 
And if somebody wants to f- maybe reach out to you and find out more information or you know, contact you or, or just find out information in general, w- where should they go? So um, I have a Facebook page, um, an Instagram and uh, a website. Um, so you know, maybe we can share that information uh, with your viewers. We will put all that information, as always, down in the show notes. So check it out there. If you're on YouTube, it'll be in the show notes. If you're, if you're an audio pod, same deal. And you, as you always know, you can always hook up with me at Recharged Family. Uh, and that, all that information will be below as well. Ladies and gentlemen, this has been an interesting episode. It's the first time I've ever done a podcast with someone else in the same house. If we would have had, if we would have had, you know, multiple mics, we probably could have sat at the same table. However, my wife is sitting right above me in in her dining room and I'm in the basement. So that's been interesting. But to be honest with you, this, the idea of family, communities, helping schools is something we are both extremely passionate about. I honestly believe this. I've said this so many times. I, I say it till I'm blue in the face. We can't, in education, we can't make this lift alone. Like, there's too many challenges. We need the families. And the families are going to be more successful with their kids at home if they have the school on board. If somebody said to me recently, uh, it, this was involving like behavior support, and they said, you know what the best thing is, is if we're doing the same thing and we're communicating with the home and they're doing the same thing at home too. That's the kind of thing we need going in education to make the lift, whether it be instructional support, whether it be behavioral support, anything, social, emotional, mental health, all of it. We just need to help each other and to, it's for the benefit of kids. That's what it's all about. So Absolutely. thank you, hon, for your time. Appreciate you. And uh, thank you to all your viewers if you're local. Um, again, I'll have all the information for, for Nicole in the show notes so you can find out more information about her platform and how you can connect with her. For everybody else, every other Thursday, hope to see you or hear you again soon. Have a great one. Matter of fact, the only thing I do know is that most of the time I don't know. Dad, you're super cringy. Is your 9 or 10-year-old already starting to fill out their application for Harvard, Yale, or Oxford? Parenting is just flat-out messy sometimes. If you happen to like this stuff from the short bald dude, new episodes drop every other Thursday. Be sure to subscribe wherever you listen to your podcasts. If you think he's halfway decent, you can also rate and review. You can also send him some feedback too if you email him at recharchcommunity at gmail.com. You can share ideas on future topics or just yell at him for his horrible sense of humor. We do it all the time. Thanks for listening. Have a great day. We'd like to give a shout out to Kevin McLeod for the use of his music. You can check out his information in the show notes below.